0: Welcome
1: to the Next Level Business Podcast, for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. All right, welcome back to the Next Level Business Podcast. Shane, who do we have here today?
2: Yeah, welcome, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining in. So today we've got uh our pleasure of having David Scott Peters in the house. How you doing, sir? Doing awesome.
0: You know, if I if I could do any better, I don't know what I'd do.
2: Yeah. So a little backstory on on David and how I got to know this guy. So when I was in the restaurant business, uh, you know, those are those are some tough times. And so you try to find the experts that know what they're talking about that can lead you in the right direction. I stumbled upon this guy. In in those early days, and then once I found this guy, I tried to devour everything that I could find on him. So I watched like just about every video I could find, and it was it was a great source of inspiration. And so I'm I'm privileged to have you on tonight. It's it's our honor to have you on because there's there's restaurant tours listening to us that need help, and not only is it wisdom, but you're going to give good for restaurant tours. It is good for all business owners out there. So thank you again for being on our show tonight. Pleasure. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming. So give us your backstory.
0: Get everybody up to speed real quick on who you are and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Long and short of it is I grew up in my family's restaurant and catering business back in Lindwood, New Jersey, where I worked for the toughest manager I know. If you ever worked for your mom, you know it sucks. (laughs) Now, I hated every minute of it because I was a teenager. Why? Because she rode my sister and I twice as hard as anybody else, said there'd be no favoritism. While I hated it as a kid, she did me a favor. I elevated and got promoted every job I ever had because I had a work ethic like nobody else around me. So she did me a favor. I took those skill sets, and I eventually worked for a multi-unit brew pub and cafe in Phoenix, Arizona called Coyote Springs. And it was in the early 90s when brew pubs were opening one a week, and it was magic. Our first location was, was a cash cow, hand over fist money. But our downtown location, number two, was like owning a boat, a hole in water in which you throw money. And that's where, at that point in time, I elevated to the operations manager role, and I had to learn how to pay the bills. I learned that profits don't pay your bills, cash does. And that's where I implemented systems to allow us to impose our will, to, to do all the things necessary, even when and especially when we, were, we weren't in the building. Now, I later took those skill sets, worked for a, a 30-unit restaurant sports bar chain as a director of operations. We as a franchisor, we are opening uh, eight stores. We're going gangbusters. It was crazy. In under a year, the guys who bought the company damn near bankrupted it. So as everybody's leaving, I decided to move on, and I went to teach at Scottsdale Culinary Institute, Management, Human Resources, Wines, and Spirits. I'm not a chef. You're like, I do not belong in a kitchen. You do not want to see my knife skills. They're horrendous. However, I can run anyone's kitchen with the right systems in place. I can order on budget off par levels. I can schedule off of staffing guides and budgets. I can open and close every station off of opening, closing side work checklist. So I can manage using systems, but I can't cook. Well, as I was instructing, I was consulting. The minority shareholders at Famous Sam's kept asking me to come back as they were now the majority shareholders as the chief operating officer, I kept saying, no, no, no. And it's was about one month before my first child was born. I said, okay. And I walked into a disaster. A company should have been bankrupt. Done. Yet I was told to turn the company around and sell it in five years. I missed that goal by three months. See, I know what it is to be an independent operator. I know what makes the chain successful. It becomes my job now, calling in life, to give independence the same systems and tools that chains use without losing your independence. Love our guests, love our employees, but we are going to do what they do well, and that's make money. Which led me into, uh, in 2003, I started a restaurant training coaching company that built from workshops and seminars into a software company, of which my business partner, purchased my shares out in June of 2019. So now I'm back to the basics as a restaurant coach and just really diving in and really focusing on what is, what I deem the restaurant prosperity formula. And that's freedom from your business and the financial freedom you deserve. Because if there's one thing I've learned over these years, almost two decades coaching independent restaurants is if I can get you freedom from your business, if I get you a life back, you'll have money. And that's where we've got to start. In about two minutes there, you went through
2: an amazing roller coaster of things there. So I want to dial back to the very first. You get started. You working for your mom. And I know she had to be a big
0: giant pain in the butt, man. Because I was. It was tough. But, you know, when you're a kid, last thing you want to do when they say, hey, come to work and let's wash dishes. Well, washing dishes sucks. It sucked when I was a manager and you had to fill in. It just sucks. It does suck right? And, and it's one of the hardest jobs in the business. It's in fact, one of the most important underappreciated because if the kitchen doesn't have dishes, pots, pans, they can't serve the guest. However, it's a pretty intense job. And when you get a great dishwasher, it's amazing because they are on it and what have you. I learned how to prep cook. I was a busser. And I remember when servers would stiff me, I wouldn't get my tips. I'd be like, mom, She'd like, Hey, buck up suck it up buttercup you know you're my kid i'm not going to go back and say hey you didn't tip my son suck it up and those are things you don't like however you learn work ethic and 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 you know if there's one thing i watched my mom do what a typical restaurant owner does and live in the restaurant i knew later on when i got back in the restaurant biz that was not the the, the real life that people want when they own a restaurant yeah and i can tell you i was so hard on my son
2: so my poor old son was probably about 13 when, when we had that restaurant Yeah, and man, I would, I would, I would be on his butt, man. And it wasn't fun. I was harder on him than anyone else
0: in the restaurant. Right. You, you had to be because as soon as your son, me, when I was with my mom, if I got, I did one thing that was against policy or, or showed up late or whatever, then the whole staff says, Oh, you only have that job because you're related. You're special. And so it's one of those things. I used to have that talk with with children of owners when I was at Coyote Springs, as we, I moved on as a coach. And I'd tell them, I said, look, you're going to get ridden twice as hard as anybody else. Because any moment you step out of line, you're special. And now everything's lost. Like you've lost all the respect from everybody around you.
2: Yeah. So let's let's fast forward to when you got your first restaurant. What, what age were you when you had your own restaurant?
0: So, personally, I've never owned a restaurant on my own. It was our family's business. So, I was a teenager. From there, I literally had the opportunity to, I swore I'd never get back in the business. The honest God truth is, I've tried to get out of this business three times and it's a disease. (laughs) I love hospitality. You know, you go another route and go, Oh, I miss restaurants and you find your way back. So, I found my way back. There's a whole bunch of career choices in between restaurants for me that I started bartending. I was actually a franchise sales consultant compliance work and sales. And I was just bartending. And the next thing you know, I got sucked back in. And so that was in the early nineties was when I you know, really found my way back into hospitality.
2: Yeah. And, and I know, I don't know if you get a lot of restaurant tours that are like I was, but dude, when I was struggling, I mean, I was clinging for any kind of life from anybody that could help me. Right so it's got to be feel good to do what you do you you probably get really good immediate feedback from all these people out there that are really hurting.
0: Yeah and I'll tell you right now coming Coming to the end, we hope of the pandemic. It's been really difficult. Our industry is on fire. You know, I I've lived through and, and been coaching when we had the recession. It was at uh, in in uh, two thousand seven, and then we had nine eleven hit, and our prices went through and and you know it was just a, an awful experience for us as Americans. And then here we are in COVID, and we've never seen anything like it. And in fact, I would tell you, in the first two weeks of COVID, when we went into shutdown mode, I knew that 25% of all restaurants were going to be closed because they were only working off of a two-week cash flow. They didn't have the money in the bank. As long as we had sales coming in, they could pay their bills. And immediately we start to see that rolling. And then somewhere along, we started to open up a little bit. There was hope in, in our industry. And we said, oh, we can do this. And then came the second yet third shutdown. So this past December of 2020, uh, it was another major hit. And by that point in time, 40% of all restaurants are closed. And wow. whether they're going to reopen is a whole nother story. But now here we are back to there's some hope coming back. I would little to tell you that. I mean, it's been doomsday since December. And now people are going, okay, there's second round of PPP money. The the uh, Congress is just given the president a bill to sign that has a restaurant rescue plan in there of grant money, albeit it's too freaking late, but it's at least something. And I, and I, I have now seen that as, as we've been lifting restrictions, doesn't matter what you believe in the restrictions have been going up. Well, restaurants are getting busy. We're social creatures. We want to be out of the house. And I have members in my group that are reporting record sales, not COVID records, record sales now, which means all of a sudden we went from holy shit downy dumps to holy shit, here comes the business. I'm short staffed. I don't have management. How am I going to handle this? And that's where we are as an industry right now. It's really this deep breath of like, hang on with 40% of the restaurants gone. You sit there and say, okay. And I believe there's a huge wave of customers coming back. We're about, we're about to strap in for a storm and we've got to be prepared. Man, that is, I'm glad you gave us that feedback because I've been interested to know
2: how many of these poor old restaurateurs that went out of business, you know, you're talking about 40%. That, that's in calamity. That, Correct. And what, and what I always tell people is, you know, behind that kind of stress and behind that behind that kind of failure, you've got a guy that's losing it all. A lady that's, that's right. losing it all. They're losing their life savings their health is being flushed down the toilet out of the stress that they've endured because this isn't something that happens in a two-week period. This is an ongoing thing that
0: is that has been happening for a while. So man, And many were, were restaurants that had been open for decades, but they were operating off of old systems, meaning no systems, or operating as a mom and pop versus being an independent operator. And that's where the flaws, like if anything, what COVID did is it shook the tree and said, if you don't have your shit together, You're not going to be here. And those who survived and pivoted, you know, we're sick and tired of the word pivot in the industry, you pivoted and you started to get lean and whatever. Well, now you've got to remember how you got lean and how, when you grow, you stay lean. You don't blow the money that you just saved and learn how to do. And, And that's, that's really the thing. I mean, it's, I mean, again, you're an operator, you know what it is to put endless hours in, but you, and you try and do everything yourself, but you fail at that. Because you need others to help. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, especially if they've been in multi, multi-generational families. They've seen their grandparents. Just get in there, work seven days a week. The harder you work, the more successful you are. Well, that's not true. And then we've got younger, you know, younger generations that go, am I not as good because I'm not in there 24-7? And you know, th- that's what we deal with as, as as generations start to pass down restaurants, if that makes sense. Yeah. So speaking of the people that don't have their shit together,
2: uh, you know, prior to COVID, I, I, I want to talk about just the restaurants in general. What are the couple of the main reasons that these restaurants fail? Because they fail in
0: large quantities, man, even prior to COVID. So, so what would, are the main I, reasons these guys fail? I'm going to give you one main reason and then I'll give you a couple anecdotes that go along or, or other levels of reasons. But the number one reason, the number one reason why restaurants fail is lack of leadership. You've got a great idea, uh, often a technician, I'm a chef, I'm a bartender, I was a server, and now I want to own my place. But it takes leadership. See, we start, when we come from the line, like I did, when I was a manager in the beginning, I, I was working my ass off, like, do as I do, not as I say. Look at me, if I work my ass off, you're going to work your ass off. And that's not the truth. What you have to learn is, as an owner, you've got a very specific job to work on budgets, marketing. Grow the company, develop your managers, hold them accountable. That's your job. So when you're on the line flipping a burger to save fifteen dollars, you are losing thousands upon thousands of dollars. The other two reasons I would say that we we look at it if if we leadership's number one is one is being undercapitalized. All too often, restaurateurs, since they don't have a, a budget when they start in the first place, or they miss it altogether, they often never open on time or on budget, and in doing so, they they kind of built the taj mahal of what they thought they wanted for a restaurant and they didn't have the sales to support that debt service so often i find that you're working for the sba or the landlord because you're undercapitalized going in you were never going to do the sales to support that and last but not least um it's just your restaurant sucks i mean you know that's the bottom line i mean you Doesn't matter if you don't have a passion for hospitality, you don't belong in it because it's always going to throw curveballs at you. But if you don't care about service, you don't pay attention to product quality and what you're putting out on a plate, you just suck. You're going out of business. I mean, that's the bottom line.
2: Yeah, you, you touched on some really great stuff there on what you really need to be doing. And you talked about budgeting and marketing and training and making sure you're capitalized property properly. You know, when I would talk to some of the restaurateurs back in the day, I, I would talk about budgets, and they didn't even have a good answer for that. I'm like, "What is your cost versus how much? What, what's your food cost versus what are your sales?" and and they would struggle even to give those kind of answers. And I was floored that they even had a restaurant open.
0: It's so when I started 2003, I was started with uh, giving uh, four day workshops. God bless me when I took them to three days, and then I stopped. But four days of information pouring in there, and, and I started, and I, I was coming from the franchise side of things, and I'm like, ah, when you take your inventories, and then I'd start looking out, and they're like, we don't take inventories. Inventory to an independent operator who operates like a mom and pop is, it's tax time, and their CPA call says, what's your year-end inventory? They go, I don't know, what, what was it last year? Oh, add $500, I ain't taking fricking inventory, <laughs> you know? And so when you realize that they're flying by the seat of their pants, kind of, for instance, if I was a chef owner and, you know, hey, I just want to put out a great experience, pretty food that tastes good, and I will have great Yelp reviews, I'll make money. But the truth of the matter is, what well, if I ask them, to say, hey, well, what's that cost? Well, I generally know what the protein costs, and I generally know what the starch costs, and I generally own and I'm like, then you generally ain't making money because we're an industry of pennies, not dollars. And so when you start to talk about that, you say, yeah, budget, budget's a foreign word. They had one when they opened up their doors and went to a bank and asked for money. And then a year later, they looked at it and go, that's what I thought I'd do. That ain't a budget. That's a prayer. And so as you talk about, when you talk about systems, the two things you touched on are my two favorite things. And it's probably because, you know, you've, you've, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid and heard me enough is that the two most important systems any restaurant should have are budgets and recipe costing cards. Shane, what are the two systems most restaurants never have? What you just Budgets said. Budgets and recipe coffee cards, right? Because <laughs> why? They're so hard. Who freaking who? You decided to go in the toughest business I know. Shane, tell me another business that you're a government agency. You are a, a labor specialist. You are a procurement person. You're a <laughs> technician on cooking. You're a marketing person. You're a computer person all at the same time. Yeah. Or in any other company, oh, I got a department head for that and a department head for that. You are the department head for everything, right? Yeah. And let's let's throw in that you're
2: open seven days a week. And you're and you're, you know, you're probably open from uh, you know, when the guys start getting there at you know seven, eight in the morning until you close right. down at midnight. It is the toughest industry that there is out there. And I was a banker for 15 years before I got into the restaurant business. And there's a reason why banks don't lend to restaurant tours. We don't do that it. Yep. These guys fail at such a massive clip. Banks don't want anything to do with them, man. They roll in there and they're like lepers. You know, They roll in there like, hey, we want to borrow some money. And you're like, okay, what do you do? I want to start a restaurant. Oh, go just go ahead and get out, brother, because we, we don't lend <laughs> to restaurants. And it's just right. straight across the board. If you weren't Buffalo Wild Wings, you weren't getting money from us.
0: That's right. And in, in fact, the, the tough part about that is, Ohio State University, now about probably 15 years ago, did a study on the the failure of restaurants. Now, the myth has always been eight out of 10 restaurants fail in their first year, and that was a myth. And uh, Rocco, whatever his name, who had that reality show, like brought it to, to light. And People are like, no. So I Ohio State University, after that show, did a study and found that 63% of all restaurants fail within their first three years of business. Would you believe there's not but two or three points between in failure rate? Success versus failure of franchises versus independence. You would think it's the other way around. And that's what banks think. But the truth of the matter is, so many franchises are just a logo in a system. And a guy or woman who walks in and goes, I don't know about the restaurants. And they have just the same problems as anybody else. The only difference is they hopefully have better buying power. They got a a logo and somebody to say, Here's how you run a restaurant. But it doesn't guarantee success.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that you always impressed upon me was you got to have a system got to have a system, got to have a system, got to have a system and you got to follow it. Right. And so that's, that's the brilliance of what you bring to the table. And it's it's exactly what you're talking about now in order to create a success. Uh, Do you do hands-on
0: live training inside a restaurant anymore? So uh, I haven't, no, let's put it, let's put it in perspective. I did when I first started this new company Uh, and with COVID, I've not been on the road. I literally, was in New York, I landed last year in New York the day they declared a state of emergency for the New York restaurant show. I gave five presentations and then jumped on a plane to Las Vegas, gave another presentation to 300-some people, came home, and the world ended. So uh, I can tell you that, yes, I do some trainings, haven't done them in a long time, and it it is not really my bread and butter of what I want to do because I'm not cheap. So you gotta have enough employees. You gotta have enough locations, or or to justify bringing me in. But yeah, it can happen. Because I would love to see
2: you in one of those things. You look like a Gordon Ramsay type, bro. Where you just <laughs> roll in there and just
0: just start swinging a bat at everybody and just calling them out for being idiots. And well, you know, I'd like to say that I'm a little more PC than that. Uh, I am very direct, but I'd like to think I'm more passionate and I want to help you. I want to get you off a dime because. You know, all too often, restaurant owners they they subscribe to the most dangerous phrase in their business. That's the way we've always done it, <laughs> and then they've got these managers, employees go, "Oh, we're different. We don't do it that way." Well, son of a bitch, what do you mean different? <laughs> do you have people and product? You know, do you serve with a limp? Maybe you're different. Otherwise, you're a freaking restaurant. And we're here to take care of the guest, and so you know, it's like if you're stuck in the muck, if you're not willing to to move, then you don't want to invite me in. Um, not that i haven't made people cry and not because you know i haven't i haven't made people truly change their lives i'll tell you Shane, the the biggest thing that you've got to decide is if you bring me in whether consult training or you just want to work with me one on one on coaching or in my group you've got to be willing to change you've got to be open to criticism you got to be open to changing how you do things in your business really mindset because the systems part are easy Where Shane? Where do restaurant owners get stuck? It's trying to get trying to get their employees to do the work. What the hell does that mean? Right? You you sign the paycheck. In fact, you sign the front of the check. They sign the back. When they sign the front, they can make the decisions. That sounds cold, but some point in time, you got to crystallize a freaking spine and go. This is my business. I am supposed to lead it. Oh, there goes to that first reason why restaurants fail: lack of leadership. Right. Yeah. And they're failing for
2: a reason. So the first thing you got to tell them is you got to be willing to change because what you're doing is not working. And, and, and you hit it on the head, man. The hardest thing that, that I had to do, you know, the, the budgetings weren't, that wasn't hard for me. The, the hardest thing was getting these idiot employees trained up the way. that. You oh, them to do
0: oh it. let me jump on you there, Shane. Oh. So, so you're ready. You might know Go what's ahead. coming. Tell me when we call our employees, idiots. I want to remind you something. (laughs) Is is that a bad thing? I guess that's a bad thing. You selected them. (laughs) You hired them. You trained them. They're your Grab a freaking mirror. Dude, they, they don't come to us as idiots. If we don't have a lack of training, lack of leadership, lack of management, we create idiots. I cannot believe everyone's an idiot, but I get it. You think they should have common sense, which there is no such thing. That's why there's a system, a process, a way to doing anything and everything your way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. So, all right. So this is a, uh, political question is the federal minimum wage of 15 bucks. How much of a disaster is that going to be for the restaurant industry?
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, it will put some people out of business depending on how they phase it in, because you've got certain, certain States that they still have like a $7 minimum wage. So you go to 15, just like that, it's going to be crippling, but we've already seen some States go to $15 minimum wage. We've seen them repel or repeal, if you will, the tax credit on the state level. And it is devastating for many, especially those that don't have their shit together. But if you subscribe to my teachings, we talk about everything focused around prime cost, total cost of goods sold, plus total labor costs, including taxes, benefits, insurance. And you understand that if you do $850,000 in gross sales or more a year, that your new target is not 65%, it's 55. If you subscribe to that, then... When we are in a state that has higher labor costs, like it keeps driving up, then you have to drive your food costs down. So for instance, the pandemic is, is actually more damaging than a $15 minimum wage at this point in time, because it came out of nowhere, no preparation, just like that sales dropped, which means we were now at minimum staffing levels. At some point in time, you only have two cooks on the line, one server and one manager, and your labor costs is through the roof because you have no freaking sales. Well, during that time, I have uh, uh, several members of mine that are my one, one-on-one uh, coaching members at Mastery Plus, Plus. and three of them, one in particular, I'll say, started at a 38% food cost, and we re-engineered their menu, and they had to make some major changes to it, down to a 26, and they're operating at a 27 right now. They're not still there, but that is changing their life because that labor cost already jumped up, so it's no different. We have people in California and New York right now running 55% prime costs with $15 minimum wage and no tip credit. So will it crush us? Yes, especially those who are not prepared, who don't have systems, who don't budget, who don't lead. However, if it phases, it's just going to be painful year after year after year like it is in California and New York as it goes from the main cities on the way out. But we can get through it. But you got to have systems. Yeah, so... I love the deep dive that you just
2: said, talk about the prime cost, do it slowly so that everybody can get get a good handle of what you just said, because it is brilliant. And when you, when you first said it to me, that's what I went in and did. I said, I need to be at 55%, you know, but go through that
0: formula really diligently for these guys. So old timers like me, we didn't have a fancy term called prime cost. It was called controllable expenses in the control of management, how we hire, fire, utilize our people, purchase product, utilize that product. In other words, it's my management team's report card. Like I have control as a manager. As a manager, I have no control whether you want to run a group on at a 78% discount. I have no control of whether you drive a Maserati out of this place or you're grossly undercapitalized, but I can control how people show up, do the job and what they do it with. So prime cost is the fancy term. The old timers, would say that prime cost for a full-service restaurant is 65%, for a quick service is 60%. What makes that up? Total cost of goods sold, right? That's food, bottle beer, draught beer, wine, liquor, merchandise, total cost of goods sold, plus total labor costs, including taxes, benefits, and insurance. Now, that labor cost is got to be clear in the sense that First of all, it starts with our raw labor costs. If I pay somebody $10 an hour, they punch in, punch out in one hour, that's $10. Well, wrong. It's about $14 because there's taxes, benefits, insurance. So that is a part of labor costs. There's my salaried managers. Yes, they're a part of prime cost. The owner, maybe. If I work five days a week in the restaurant, key's in hand and I'm the manager on duty, I'm a part of prime cost or an adjusted salary. For instance, if I pay myself 75 grand because I own the joint, but I'd pay a GM 55. Well, then $55,000 of your salary is part of prime cost because why I'm going to fire you. I want you working on the business not in it. And the 25 would go to owner compensation, even though you're getting all that money because someday I'm replacing that that 55 with another body to run the restaurant. If you work two shifts a week as a manager, then two fifths of your salary or adjusted two fifths belong. I'm going to replace that with somebody else. So now we've got All our, we've got our costs get sold. We've got our labor costs, including taxes, benefits, insurance. Then we've got to start with the right number. It's use divided by sales, but which sales? Net sales or gross sales? And this is important because on our industry, it is absolutely back-ass words wrong. And even the POS systems have it wrong. (laughs) What do I mean? So gross sales is the ring at the register before discounts, not including sales tax. So if you ring up a ten-dollar burger, there's a five-dollar comp. Well, number one, tax is the government's, not ours. It's not a sale. Ten dollars is a gross sale. Net sales of the ring of the red shirt after discounts have been re- removed, not including sales tax. So net sales, ten-dollar burger, comp five dollars, five dollars net sales. We've got to use gross sales. Now here's the deal. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why in just one second. Do know that anybody listening to us? Understand your POS system, eight out of 10 POS systems, what they call gross sales is actually net sales. Go look at it. They've removed, they've removed the discounts. So you've got to make sure you use the right numbers before the discount's been removed. And I've got to use that for my cost calculation because why? To be fair to my management and to know my numbers. For instance, if I ask my chef to put out a $10 burger, use $3 in product, use divided by sales is a 30% food cost. Easy. You could do a BOGO, buy one, get one free. That next burger comes in, comp $5. Do we use half the product? No. So now I made a a, a 30% food cost, 60%. Is that your chef's fault that you ran a promotion? Now it's chef's fault if they're burning burgers and we're giving shitty service and all those things, that's a whole nother thing we're gonna track. But for my people are still disagreeing with me in their head going, oh, no, no, we've always been told net sales. Well, if you run a charity, Let's say, Shane, in your restaurant, you you had still open, and you're going to run a charity tomorrow, uh, an event in your restaurant. You're going to close down the restaurant because your heart sings. It's for your favorite charity. And you're going to run a $14,000 day. And because your heart sings, you're going to comp 50%. Do I staff for a $14,000 day or a $7,000 day? 14. Do I buy food for a $14,000 day or a $7,000 day? 14. So, when we, we fight with the idea of, should I use net or gross sales? It's gross sales because that is truly what your food cost should have been. When I measure chef, did you use $3 in product for the $10 we were supposed to get? Because that's what's in the menu. Does that make sense? Yep. And th- that was in-depth. Very good. So-, so let me give you one piece before I forget. So we started at sixty sixty five. So I started teaching my members back in oh, 2012 really after 2011, that we were shooting for a 55% prime cost for a full service restaurant. If you do over 850, 60% under. And the reason being is, and kind of where we're probably going is now with third party deliveries, food costs have been going through the roof. Labor costs is rising every day. Now we need all this software for seating to Yelp reviews and all these wonderful things. Our margins have disappeared. So you have to become more efficient, if that makes sense. So now your new, new prime cost target is 55%. That means if you're a 1000000 dollars year gross sales business and you're running 65%, there's 10 points on the table or $100,000 in bottom-line profitability on the same gosh-darn sales you're doing right now. No get-rich scheme, no marketing scheme, just becoming more efficient. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And, and guys, this is, this is all part of your prosperity formula, right? What right. you teach, yeah. what you coach on. And I can't tell you enough that if you're in the restaurant business, even if you think you got it together, you still need to uh, listen to what this guy has to say, because the systems that he teaches are world class. And if you operate on that level, you will do better in the restaurant business. That's just a fact.
0: You will appreciate get better. That.
1: Appreciate Y'all. that. we got no, a copy so- that says, uh, David, my sister is a general manager of a few restaurants. I just bought your book for her. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about your
0: book? Maybe? Sure thing. Yeah. So, number one, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate that. Um, so, I wrote a book called Restaurant Prosperity Formula What Successful Restaurant Tours Do. And what it came back from is we all believe in masterminding, right? Like, we're all in that, we understand. Well, I had a mastermind group at my old company of 22 of the most uh, most successful restaurant owners I've ever worked with, but they didn't start that way. Many of them had been with me, been with me on average 10 to 12 years, some 16 years been with me in that group. And on a quarterly basis, we'd go to each other's restaurant. So imagine Shane, 20 of your peers showing up at your restaurant. Oh, that mother's going to be painted, clean. It's like your dirty <laughs> underwear is everywhere, right? And so this group, while we exercised our liver because we're restaurant people, we did have two days of meetings where we'd share. And the group was brutally honest. They tell you you're a freaking idiot, but then take the shirt off their back and help you because they weren't competitors. They could help each other. And it was magical. I saw them change their lives. And before I sold my company, I literally was trying to finish the book and I, I commandeered a two day meeting and I said, Hey, everybody, I need you to tell me what you think makes you successful. What makes you successful? And I thought I knew, and I I did pretty much, but it was awesome. We went around the room and I had people in tears talking about where they were and where they are today. And it was amazing. Well, the things that I learned and that this is what summarizes the book is that the restaurant prosperity formula is based on having freedom from your business and the financial freedom you deserve. To get that, around the table, they all said they had two different personality traits. They were passionate about hospitality and they were persistent. So nothing was gonna stop them and they loved this industry. From there, the formula goes like this. And again, most successful people. And, and all I did was model all the things I had taught and they allowed me to put it into the right framework. It starts with leadership. Got to be a strong leader. Plus, and there's a division symbol on the top. There's systems and training. Got to have a system, a process, a way to doing everything your way. Then you need training plus training. And well, what does that mean? Well, they said, we don't know what we don't know. So we're always looking to learn. So they have a growth mindset. But really, the magic was, well, now I know how to do it. Doesn't matter if I know if my managers don't. Then uh, below that is a division symbol, and down below is accountability. If you don't hold people accountable, I don't care that you have systems. I don't care if you have training. It does not matter. And this is where we fall down as operators all the time is accountability. And I call that answerability. If I trained you on what your job is, how to do it, how well it should be done, more importantly, by when you show me you got it, you make a decision every day, am I to do my job or not? And you are going to be answerable for the resulting consequences, positive or negative. And then last but not least, there's a plus symbol. And at the end of this formula is taking action. And I believe this all too well. I am so into it. My father had a phrase. He said, ideas are cheap. It's the people who put them to the action are priceless. Like I can give you all the ideas on this as we talk, all the ideas in the world. If you go home and do nothing with it, who cares? And I believe it so much. I got a license plate that says talk a seat. And if you ask my kids, it's take action. I got a bracelet says take action. I got a ring, says take action. I got a tattoo, says take action. My company is take action enterprises. Like you want to be an entrepreneur you've got to be in the mindset of taking action fire ready set aim then figure out how to make it work but then work your ass off to make sure it works does that make sense so that book that book is literally goes through what i call the 23 stages of the restaurant prosperity formula what is the magic that is understanding restaurant 101 first checklists and cash controls budgeting It's putting budgeting systems in place that you can give up ordering without giving up your checkbook, reducing theft, reducing mistakes, budgeting your labor, telling your managers how many hours and dollars they have to spend to go into the week. And then in the big high level stuff from core values and org charts, it's literally all the stuff. If you want to have a successful business as an entrepreneur, as a restaurant operator, the book just lays it all out. And this was all modeled off of 22 of my most successful members. So it's it's a proven formula, if it makes sense.
2: Yeah. And right there, you guys went, you, you guys heard what he said. He He's really passionate about what he's talking about, but it's it's just, it's spot on leadership systems, training, accountability, taking action. If you put
1: those things in place, you will run a better restaurant. That's just Amen. the bottom line. That's right.
0: So guys, if you want to get the free chapter, is that right? The first chapter for free? Correct, correct. If you go to my website davidscottpeters.com, scroll down or on the about page, I, I believe we're it's in both places you can request the first chapter.
1: Cool. So make sure to check that out. We'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Thanks. Hey sir. David, David, one more question for you. So,
2: yeah. uh, you know, this the, the podcast we have three pillars, right? So it's business, how do you how do you run a better business, real estate and stocks and bonds and, you know, have an action take an action in all three of those areas. How do you feel about restaurant tours? owning their own building?
0: I think it's brilliant, but it depends on where you are financially. What do I mean by that? Back in the early nineties, we as operators wanted to balance out what we owned and what we leased. You could lease something, say, get into a lease location for $250,000 and the, the rent was low. So, but if you bought a building, meaning you bought a piece of dirt, built it, or bought a building and you owned the dirt, you'd have to come in with 20% down because the SBA, most people didn't have enough credit to to avoid that 20% down. And you had a high payment. Then somewhere around the the mid-90s, I believe it was mid-90s, when Boston market was Boston chicken, screwed everyone. Came into real estate developers one after another saying, hey, I want that spot. I'll pay you higher than than value. And landlords were kicking people out of their leases. They signed up, and they weren't getting the space. In came Boston Chicken. And all of a sudden, the rents went up to what the debt service was on a building. And so where I look at it today is if I had the 20% or the 10%, depending on what people like you can help me get to, the fact of the matter is, well, I'd rather buy the building because if I fail, Walgreens could buy my damn building. I still have an asset. Then the other part is in retirement planning. When you go into business, you've got to choose your corporation based on your succession plan, your retirement. Are you going to sell? Are you going to give it to somebody? What are you going to do? And if I can own the building, I could sell a business and be a landlord. I could sell a business, sell the the, the, the land in the building. I could build wealth as the business cash flow pays for it. But again, that's got to be budgeted, right? Yeah, without a doubt. And so I can tell you this: when I had that restaurant,
2: the my primary reason for selling, you know, we we weren't we weren't making the income that I wanted, but I knew we could get it better. But we didn't own the restaurant, and so I knew I was fighting or the building. We didn't own the building. I knew we were fighting a uphill battle on that, and that that was the final nail in the coffin about why I was selling that restaurant. I I went to the landlord and said, if you'll sell me the building, I'll stay at it. But if you don't, I'm out. I'm selling. And she said, I'm not selling. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm selling. And so, uh, you know, we're real big on business owners figuring out a way to buy a building. So, you know, you were talking about, can you make a Can you put it in the budget, figure out a way to come up the down payment to swing it? Right. And so we talk about ways, alternative ways to come up and raise that money to for these guys to own their own building. So uh, final parting shots for those guys out there needing some encouragement that are out there in the restaurant space.
0: I would tell you right now, coming out of COVID, uh, it has beat the shit out of us. Our our industry, if I were, if the industry was behind me, it'd be you know in flames. So, I, what is it? HBO. That's the the show that has all the dragons. I didn't watch it. What was it called? Uh, anyway, there's the Dragon Lady and there's flames. Every that's our industry. Great analogy when you can't say it right. With that said, we're coming out of it. And I need you to remember what got you into the business first place. Rejuvenate that passion, get out of the downy dumps and get that passion, that burning fire inside. Uh, If we remember, um, you sit there and say, okay, what is it that successful people do? Well, they've got passion inside them, burning, a burning desire to be successful. And if you miss that, you're not going to be able to remember why you're not going to be able to lead your team down the path of getting excited about business coming back and so on. I mean, you've just got to get that spark. Cause if you don't have that spark, you don't belong in this business anymore because it'll chew you up. And so do whatever you can listen to podcasts, go out with your family, do whatever it takes to get you in the right mental space, get out of a, a fixed mindset To where an obstacle, uh, something comes up, a challenge comes up, you go, oh, I can't do it, and stops you dead in the track. To a growth mindset that, oh, there's an obstacle. Shit, I can get through that. Even if I don't know how, I can learn it. And when you can change that mindset, have passion, and go from fixed to growth mindset, there's nothing you can't do. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you'll get there. And that right there was
2: why I was so excited about having you on. That was brilliant. Well said. Can feel your passion
1: friend. over the airwaves, David. Love that. Hang in there. Uh, I'm in the entertainment industry as well. You know, we got hit pretty hard. Uh, and yeah, I love the, know, the concept that you said about uh, you know buying your own building. Uh, we thanks to Shane, you know, we ended up buying our own building. And uh, you know, if push came to shove, I could have just you know operated my operating business from the house and rented out the building. You know, so it's good as as a backup plan. Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, we thank you for coming on the show, uh, guys, make sure to check out his website, davidscottpeters.com, uh, get a free, uh, chapter, the first chapter of the book and, uh, leave a comment. Let us know how you liked it. Thank you so much for being live with us.
0: I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for being on man. You're a real inspiration. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks.